Whether you're starting a game or starting your day, you need to pick a starting lineup, and you're going to want the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skincare the pros love, Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm, SPF 25, in natural mint. Here's to the winning combination for 2022, the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping, available at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB while supplies last. You're listening to an LA Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit LAKings.com slash podcast. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. The LA Kings have announced an ECHL affiliation with the Greenville Swamp Rabbits. And so joining us from the Greenville Swamp, excuse me, the Greenville Swamp Rabbits, a man with uh, three different titles, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Andrew Lord, head coach, GM, and director of hockey operations. Did I get all your titles? Uh, it was originally director of hockey ops. Now it's GM. So they, they've upgraded me, uh, head coach and GM now. But thanks for having me on. This is awesome. I'm really excited to chat with both of you. Uh, before we get to our sort of icebreaker, I do want to dive a little deeper. What is the difference between a general manager and a director of hockey operations? Uh, a promotion that uh, probably doesn't change too much of anything. But uh, right. yeah, no, it's... Um, we, you know, at this level, you're wearing a lot of hats. You're doing everything from, you know, overseeing uh, travel budgets to players, uh, you know, flying in, car- driving in, reimbursements, you name it, apartments. So um, I think I do think the GM title is is fair. And I, I think that is uh, pretty common around our league now. So it sounds like you'll be wearing a lot of hats. And of course, uh, as Zach has reminded me time and time again, uh, minor league uh, teams wear a lot of jerseys. And so the question I'm going to start off here is the ECHL changes halfway through the season. You wear your white jerseys at home for the first half, and then you switch to dark jerseys at home for the second half. Andrew Lord, do you have a preference for what colored jersey your team wears at home? That is a good question. I actually really like our thirds. Our thirds are um, heavy orange and and a great logo. And um, the last two years, I I think I've liked our thirds better. So that doesn't answer your question too well, but I, I can go either way. I like switching it up. So um, I think sometimes they flip flop it too, right? Each year. So I, I'm good with either. I like the thirds. I like some of the, uh, some of the additional Jersey nights, not all of them. <laughs> Zach, do you have a preference? I would like to see teams wear white at home because currently every game, if you're looking from a Kings perspective is black versus white. Um, but I actually do like the Swamp Rabbits thirds. Um, I would also love to see a Swamp Rabbits jersey with just the carrot stick. The carrot stick yes. is one of my favorite parts of a logo that I think I've ever seen. Um, but I do like that alternate logo on the third. That's pretty sweet. I grew up with the Kings wearing white at home, so that's what I like. And I have adopted your explanation, Zach, for why I want what I want. <laughs> but the reality is I just grew up watching teams wear white at home, so that's that's what I like. All right, Andrew, let's get into this agreement between the LA Kings and the Greenville Swamp Rabbits. Um, I don't know that fans are really familiar with the ECHL necessarily. And and I, 
uh, <clears throat> my dad lives in Hilton Head, South Carolina. So I've had the opportunity to catch uh, some Stingrays games. And uh, I know he's caught some Swamp Rabbits games. Undoubtedly, we'll wind up watching some Ghost Pirates games. And every time I catch one of these games, I start reading into the league and I'm reminded by all these sort of odd details. But the Kings and the Rain have an incredibly close level of synergy for lack of a better word where like the rain play the same system that the kings do so the guys can move up and down flaw you know seamlessly you're now in an agreement with the organization and they're going to be at least i don't know half a dozen to to a few more guys that should be expected to play games for the swamp rabbits and the rain does that mean that now the swamp rabbits will be adopting those systems and the that vocabulary i would certainly say it's um less strict and you know not quite as uh, seamless, but um, at the same time, you know, we have worked with both teams, um, LA and Ontario, the last two years as a working agreement partner. So basically a, a secondary affiliate. Um, so I know Rich Seeley really well. I've been fortunate enough. I came out to the uh, rookie camp last year, a bit of main camp, a bit of the American League camp last year, really got to learn um, from the coaches and the staff and everyone is just so welcoming and I feel so fortunate to be be mentored by all these different people. Um, so within that, you know, we like to use a lot of the same language, um, a lot of the same structure. There are a lot of differences between the leagues. Uh, for example, we have 10 forwards um, and 60 or however you want to cut it, 16 players where obviously at the AHL and NHL level, it's two, two more than that. So, um, you know, three line hockey, so to speak, is, is different than four line hockey and on and on and on. And, uh, you know, more three and threes and, and probably a little bit more travel at times uh, or harder travel potentially. And um, yeah, so there's a lot of differences. I have the freedom to do, uh, you know, how we, we can run things how we want to run them. But I certainly um, and from our ownership down and, and I'm, I'm really lucky in where we're at in Greenville, our ownership are totally on board with this being a developmental league, they get just as excited about guys getting called up to the A as they do about wins. And that's a, a really fortunate spot to be in as my, you know, as the, as the coach or GM or whatever you want to call me um, to have that, you know, that push from up top that it's not just about winning. So we really try to set our guys up for success. And I think if you look at, you know, guys like Nikita Pavlichev that, that went back and forth last year, uh, you know, I think, or I know he got a heck of a lot better throughout the season uh, working with both clubs. So something we take a lot of pride in. Um, there's definitely a little bit more um, freedom systems wise, but language, uh, mindset, culture, values, all those buzzwords, I would say, are right in line with uh, Ontario and L.A. You played in the ECHL 10 or so years ago. You're now coaching in the league. How have you seen the ECHL shift? to becoming a really viable development option because, you know, I think perception of the league is maybe not exactly what the league is. Um, but a lot of teams and now including LA are really starting to use the ECHL as an option for developing these younger players. Yeah, it, it's changed dramatically. Um, I played in Wheeling for two and a half years. Uh, I was fortunate there. They really were doing it. They were probably ahead of the times I would say back then um, with Wilkes Bar and uh and Pitt, pittsburgh obviously they really utilize it they you know i was on an echl contract and they were even you know working with me their development guys and so on and so forth so i was fortunate to see that firsthand i think 
Um, that wasn't the case for the majority of clubs back then. But now I'd say it's it's more, um, you know, probably that's probably more common than not common. So you see a lot of guys trickling down, uh, development staffs, uh, you know, synergies between all the clubs. Uh, I think the coaching across all levels has just gotten so much better through technology. You know, everybody, if you're if you're hungry and you want to learn, you can you can learn to be at least a pretty good coach now, I think, through all the different, uh, you know, podcasts or coaching seminars or mentorship programs out there that are available. So, you know, knowledge isn't as uh, unknown anymore. It's really shared. So I think I think it's grown dramatically uh, from the organizational beliefs to the coaching staffs to the use of video. And it's really exciting. I mean, this is a great league. It, it is. Um, I think some people know that. I, I really want and hope and I believe it'll get there where everyone will know that. Uh, but I told in our affiliation announcement uh, two days ago, I said the stats, 727 players have made the NHL from our league. So um, 29 last year. That's, you know, that's not no stat to laugh at. And, you know, if you can, Pay a guy somewhere between uh, five hundred and fifty dollars and a thousand bucks, and he ends up turn, turning into an NHL player. Um, I mean, imagine the the upside in that asset. It's incredible, right? So, I, I really think it's it's going to keep growing and 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 then some here the the next few years. Andrew, I want to challenge something you just said. Um, you just talked about how you could become a coach based on an effective coach based off of publicly available resources, but I'm going to read a quote about you to you from Cardiff Devils managing director, Todd Kelman. And he said, if I could have Andrew Lord working with me for the next 20 years, I would happily do that. So the amount of good press that's out there about you from people that have worked with you suggest that there's something about you that that you bring more than just what can be gleaned from a YouTube video. So what what are without asking you to, you know, pat yourself on the back too hard, what are those, you know, leadership qualities or or philosophies or or values that you're bringing to the Swamp Rabbits that you think can amplify all of these things that you're looking to do? Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I'm somewhat looking for an agent as a coach or coaching <laughs> agent. So maybe, maybe you're the guy for me. I, <laughs> I like that sales pitch. It's great. Um, no, I think I've been super lucky with, with who I've learned under. I mean, the, probably the most interesting thing is how lucky I've been to, to be coached by the guys I've been coached with. I've had Todd Nelson as a coach. I've had Rocky Thompson as a coach. I've had Jerry Fleming as a coach. Uh, Chuck Weber, Seth Appert, um, John Bobluski, John Robluski. Uh, I've had Jim Montgomery as a coach. There, there's been a a long line of great coaches that I've been able to just play for and watch and learn from, and and sort of piece a lot of that together into my own my own thing. I think work ethic's a staple. I want to outwork everybody. I know that's a buzzword and, and something probably a lot of guys say, but I really take a lot of pride in that. Uh, communication, I think, is huge, and I think character and values is you know second to none. So um, it is, it is a you know, it's a, a great game, and I've been very fortunate to learn under a lot of great coaches. Well, I, I worked in the ECHL for a few years, um, and I've seen firsthand the importance that a strong NHL AHL affiliate can bring to a team. Um, from a coach's perspective, how important is it to have an affiliate? who's willing to spend to get guys, you know, who could contribute at the ECHL level because those players, 
being on AHL contracts maybe allow you to sign you know, better ECHL players? Yeah, I mean, obviously, fundamentally, any AHL player that Ontario sends us, they go against our cap at $525 a week. That's that's lower than what rookies are being signed for right now. So effectively, you could get a great player, one of your best players, potentially at a very cheap rate, which then opens up cap space, like you're saying. Uh, but I do believe it's so much more than that. I think it's, you know, branding or whatever you want to call that, uh, you know, being part of a, a bigger organization than just an ECHL organization, having the opportunity to go to AHL camp or sometimes NHL camp. And, and again, as I was alluding to earlier, learning from, from the best, right, or the highest level. I think there's additional development coaching within that, whether that's, you know, goalie coaches coming to Greenville and working with our goalies or, uh, you know, a defensive coach or a forwards coach working uh, through video or whatnot with with one of one of their prospects that's down with us. Right. So there's just so many things to that. Um from an office perspective for us, it's huge. You know, our, our sales staff and our office staff learning from, from people that have a lot of people have already been at this level that are now at the AHL or NHL. And they, you know, you, you want to learn from people that know what they're doing. Right. So mentorship's a real important thing. And that that's exactly what this is. I think, you know, we take a lot of pride in trying to help the rain and the Kings, but at the same time, you know, make no mistake about it. We're, we're here to learn and, and we're hungry to do that. And we're really lucky to learn from some, some of the best people in the game. We're throwing out some numbers and some terminology that I think make a ton of sense to people within the industry, but that I'm not entirely sure that your average fan follows. So let's talk about the salary cap at the ECHL level. Um, it is done week to week, correct? It's actually daily. Daily, uh, okay. So yeah, so you can you basically have a a daily salary cap, or they they put it per week uh, as a as a league uh, or per team, but you can change, you can effectively change your salary cap each day. Um, each, each coach or uh, team has 52 salary changes as well. So you have the ability to, to fluctuate, you know, any player if you have cap space. So there's a lot of things you can do within that, within that structure. Um, and I think, you know, in a way it's, there's a lot of differences from the NHL, but it is, as far as rules and collective bargaining agreement and roster changes, it's probably a lot more similar to the NHL than the AHL because the AHL really almost has an unlimited roster in a way. Right. So I think, um, I think that's why you see a lot of, a lot of people get into the management side that have that done this particular job is they've, they've learned a lot of these other, other aspects, not just on the ice stuff. So you mentioned Nikita Pavlichev as a player who spent time in both leagues. So let's just, use him as an example. So he signs a contract that gives him the ability to play in the e in the AHL or the ECHL, but not the NHL. If he's assigned to Greenville to play for the Swamp Rabbits, is Ontario paying that contract, but it's counting against your salary cap? Yeah. I mean, first off, if he gets assigned to us this year, we're, we're going to be a really, really good hockey team. But um, <laughs> as far as salary, basically – we reimburse five twenty-five a week. Okay, uh, as I said, that goes against our cap, but we also are reimbursing the rain on that amount. And then there's obviously, you know, without getting into specifics of actual, you know, every affiliate is probably a little bit different, but that would be a, a, a standardized thing across the league that you know does not change from any affiliate. And and who's on your coaching staff this year, and and how do you go about? 
let me back that up before we get to the coaching staff. Um, how did when you're looking for players to add, because you have, you know, the roster you mentioned, and it's not comprised exclusively of guys on AHL, ECHL deals. How are you building those relationships with prospective new players? Who's scouting? Is it, uh, you know, how is that handled? Yeah, it's myself and, and our new assistant coach, Mason Baptiste. We just hired him about a month ago. Uh, but it's 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 literally us. And, you know, we're we're just tapping into all resources possible. You're trying to build your, your agency pool. Uh, you also go direct to players at this level because not everyone does have an agent. Uh, you're tapping into NCAA is a big pipeline. There's no mistake about that. You know, a lot of guys that I'm, I'm kind of the perfect example of that. I had an okay college career at RPI, wasn't drafted, didn't have any real interest out of college um, at the AHL or NHL level. So I, I signed a contract at the ECHL level, just looking to make a team. And, um, you know, those type of guys are valuable or level two. So you're, you're really trying to angle a lot of different things. You need to be aware of guys coming off AHL deals and NHL deals. You're also aware of the college free agency. You can also tap into major junior. You can find the odd stud out of the WHL or OHL. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, it, it all funnels down and, and there's a, so many players uh, that you have to sift through. And that's, you know, that's where I think at the AHL level or above, a coach is able to maybe shut off a little bit in the summer, where I would argue at this level, uh, our coaches or the GMs at this level, usually it's the same person, are, are probably working harder in the offseason than, than in, during the season. Looking at this relationship between the Kings, the Reign, and Greenville, uh, what are the advantages maybe from the from a King side to having the formal affiliation that we have now versus the informal working agreement of the last two years? I think full control. I think, you know, no, no um, two goalies, for example. I think really being able to dictate what you want to do with the affiliation, not having to, you know, work mutually alongside another NHL or AHL team. I think there's a ton of benefits to it. I know from our side, we've had sort of two the last two years, and it was great to work with two NHL clubs. It was an awesome learning lesson. I was really lucky to, to have that experience, but it also poses problems because, you know, say if LA takes a guy um, and another affiliate takes a, takes a player, all of a sudden, in a matter of you know five minutes, you can you can lose two forwards or two D or two goalies, which which actually has happened before. Two years ago, we were on a road trip and we lost both goalies at the same time, and and then you're trying to find uh, somebody locally. They call an e bug at this level. Well, it's called an e bug at all levels, but you see the e bug a lot more at our level, the emergency backup, and uh, you find some some local talent and, and hope you can shut the door. But yeah, it's um, just having that process with one team i think both ways from our side and you know the nhl ahl side it's much cleaner and and much more efficient you ever have to start an e-bug uh it's a good question i think we have yeah yeah now you're there are there's so many good goalies out there and that is the that's the thing right now. I mean, everybody, every team in our league will be just getting hounded by agents about placing goalies. And most teams now have, you know, two from their affiliates. So it's really tough for the non-contracted goalie. 
So the majority of time, as long as, you know, distance or a weird travel schedule doesn't derail you, you can find a, you can find a legitimate goalie in, you know, half a day or something. There's guys out there waiting in the wings, ready to go. The ECHL gets unfairly branded sometimes as a goalie development league, I think. Um, but you, you mentioned the, the two goalies. So I, I want to talk about it here. I know you talked about it during the press conference. Um, you know, how important is it for, for young goaltenders? The Kings have six under NHL contract. Obviously, that math doesn't add up to not have two goalies at the ECHL level. How important is it for young goalies to be able to come to a team where they know they're going to have regular playing time, playing pro hockey, and getting, you know, the reps that they need to potentially grow and develop in their career? Yeah, it's critical. I mean, I, I think if you asked any of your six goalies, they would probably say six goalies is too many, obviously, but in actuality, it's, it's not that many bodies when you're, when you're thinking about the rest of the lineup, there's way more than that in other positions. Obviously there's more need for it, but still it's, um, you know, you're trying to, trying to find some studs out, out of that low number and you need to develop. And they, and, you know, as Glenn Murray said in our press conference, the, the best way to develop is to play. And that's couldn't be more true. Um, than, than the goalie position, right? So getting them in, we play 72 games. We play a ton of three and three. So it's a perfect opportunity to, to go with a two, two goalie setup and try to manage the workload, um, load management wise. So uh, great opportunity for, for whoever we get. And, um, you know, they also support them really well. Again, there's a lot of visits from the goalie staff, constant phone and, you know, Zoom and, I'm sure video content mixed in there as well. So big believer in it. I think it's, you've seen a lot of goalies from our league make the NHL over time. Andrew, you correct me if I have some of the details on this wrong, but you were a player coach for a few years in Cardiff in Wales. Um, I don't apologize. Don't have the name of the league pulled up in front of me, but um, when I think of Cardiff, I don't think of um, professional hockey. But because of your experience there uh, and, a, and an overwhelmingly positive experience from everything I could find, you were able to get in a lot more experience for a guy your age. And now you bring all that experience to Greenville and the Swamp Rabbits. But I'm curious, other than coaching, if you learned about front office responsibility during your time in Cardiff. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't have been more lucky. It was a, such an amazing organization there. I mean, the that league is – you think the ECHL is undercover. You should go check that league out. I mean, there's five or six teams with fantastic crowds. By How, you know, how big year, a crowd would you pull? Sorry. just So by year three in our new arena, we were selling out basic – I bet you our sell-out rate was 95%, 3,100 strong every wow. night um, in the U.K. Fantastic atmosphere. And then the league is is so much better than what people know as well. It's you know it's it's you have great ECHL players there. You have players right from the American League. We even had a couple guys. We had a guy from the KHL go there. We had a guy from the DEL go there. Um, so it's it is an older league. It, it is you know you're dealing with probably an age range more of 27 to 32 or older than that. We're here. We're a little bit more. You know, 20 to 25 is our bread and butter. Uh, but still. Great league, uh, well run. The, the fan bases are great, and I was so fortunate uh, to get that role. And I, it was it was Reg Dunlop 
out of slap shot, other, but we tried to run this a lot more professionally. And, uh, you know, we did video, we had legitimate practices. It was very intense. And, and then the league basically got too good and improved at such a rate that I just, there, there's no way, there was no way to, to do that role anymore. So when I was, you know, not, uh, not nearly the player I once was, whatever level that was. And, uh, it was just a natural, you know, progression into the coaching realm or, you know, off ice coaching realm, but I did everything as, you know, player coach other than maybe manage the bench to the level I can now. Um, so learned a ton from it. was very fortunate. And, um, you know, the, the league, uh, very much like this league, you do have to wear a lot of hats. So same sort of thing, you know, you're, you're scheduling, uh, you're maybe not, you're maybe not like, setting everything up apartment wise or setting the buses up, but you're always having a hand in all of that to really make sure it runs smooth. And, you know, I don't know exactly the number of staff there'd be at the AHL level or NHL level, but you know, in the UK, it's probably six employees in total where here it's, you know, 12 or 13. So it's, and that, that's across all, all sides of, of the business. So very fortunate in both spots to learn a lot about the off-ice side of things and, and how things are run. And um, I think that's been a fun piece uh, to experience and to have to, to work through, you know, the last nine years. If you were playing the Reg Dunlop role, then did you ever encourage your guys to goon it up and lie to them about a prospective move of the team to Florida from Cardiff to, to motivate <laughs> them? <laughs> we, we definitely watched that movie a lot and I was called Reg some of the time probably one of the nicer things I was called over the years, but yeah. Um, no, it was, it was, it was a fun time and, and brings back a lot of memories now that you're bringing it up for sure. So if you could, if you cloned yourself and one of one version of you stayed in Cardiff and the other took the path that you're on, moved to Greenville, you'd probably be recruiting against yourself in some ways, wouldn't you? Like what, what are the, what are the differences between recruiting players to play in the ECHL versus the EIHL? So that's such a, it's a great comment or question because I'm literally the flip-flop. Uh, when we were in the UK, we hated every CHL coach or general manager. And when we're here now as a head coach or general manager of the ECHL, you hate every uh, UK or Europe coach trying to do the same thing. You're just battling back and forth because a lot of the guys do cross over, right? And there's a, you know, it's, it's, the levels are so similar and, um, there's a lot of different things, you know, a guy gets married and he has a child. He all of a sudden wants to come back closer to home or, you know, he's, he's, you know, fed up of the grind of, of the miners in North America, wants to make a bit more money, wants to have a little bit more of an experience, uh, away from the rink. So he jumps over to Europe and vice versa. But, uh, yeah, certainly it's, it's fun, um, relationship wise, you know, talking to some of the, my old buddies over there coaches and whatnot and and they're sometimes bugging me about you know potential players from our league and i'm sure we all sort of try to drive them away from our own team to other teams in our division and all that kind of thing but um no it's it's a good question i was not around that we lost a player to the sheffield steelers so i always hate the sheffield steelers they were our huge rival actually yeah so i, I the feelings mutual there we go Hockey's a pretty established community and it can be, I don't personally believe this, but I'm in the thick of it. So I'm inclined not to believe it, but it can be accused of being prickly to newcomers. It can be, you know, 
considered elitist and, you know, hockey fans get accused of gatekeeping all the time. I imagine that the fan bases in Cardiff and in Greenville are are probably similar in their uh, exposure to uh, hockey culture prior to a team coming in and playing there. This is a little bit outside of your purview as a coach and hockey ops guy, but how difficult or or I should say was that part of the appeal of a job like this was helping spread that culture to a new market? I think, I think it's really fun to try to connect in the community. And I will say both organizations have been tremendous at that, you know, um, Cardiff, they, really big into the, you know, the minor hockey or whatever you want to call that over there and school visits. And it's, it's no different here. It's a huge, you have, you have to work for your fan base. It doesn't just come at this level. And um, I know both staffs have taken a huge amount of pride in that. And I know myself, it's, it's fun um, hearing that someone just came to their first game and, and then they become a fan for life. And that, that really is, you know, we had about a hundred fans at our affiliation announcement the other day on Monday there and, and to connect with them after and to hear how excited they were and to hear their stories. And, you know, a lot of them are from non-traditional markets, like you're saying. Um, Greenville is a, there is a lot of transplants too. So we do have a, a fair few, you know, Michigan and New York, and, and that certainly helps our fan base as well. And I think that also uh, the potential here in Greenville is is tremendous. I really see this, you know, in the next couple of years becoming one of the top markets in the league. Looking ahead to what comes before your season with Greenville. I know last year you said you were at the, the rookie face-off, um, assuming you might be doing the same thing again this year. What do you take away from an event like that? Um, maybe less so what you take away from on-ice play and more from kind of seeing how your counterparts with the Kings and the rain operate. Yeah, I mean it's incredible. I think the the mentorship obviously is is first class, and just to be a fly on the wall in all those meetings and to see how the coaches you know conduct themselves and the messages they bring and to, to see the level of the athlete on all teams, how competitive it is. You know, in Phoenix there last year, it was you know, those games are top notch, and to see that young talent. Also, I think it's interesting to see that week, but then to see how that you know, that year plays out and see where some of those guys go and, and how effective they are even at the NHL level, right? So it's it's an amazing event to see the uh, level of expertise, the, the scouts, the GMs there. It's, it's a bit uh, overwhelming, but it's also really inspiring to, you know, you're, you're very far away, but you're also so close to that level. So um, I, I know that was a huge, uh, huge, huge, probably eight days for me last season and what I learned and what I took away from that and what I, you know, how I applied that to our last season. And the last one I had for you is uh, the, the press conference that I watched. Uh, I couldn't really watch it, but I listened to it the other day um, with the affiliation. It, it really made it feel like Greenville is being valued as a part of the Kings organization, not just an affiliate. And I feel like that's not always the case when you look at an ECHL to NHL relationship. Now, how important is kind of that, that family value and that appreciation when it comes to, you know, being the ECHL team on the side of that relationship. Yeah, honestly, it's, it's everything. I think that's the, the fundamental reason why we got into this relationship both, both ways. We, we really care about them. They really care about us. And, 
the amount of communication we get and the amount of you know care we get and mentorship we get is, is I would say it's second to none. So we feel incredibly lucky. And, you know, for Rich Seeley and, and for Glenn Murray to travel over and to spend a couple of days with us and, and not just, you know, what you saw for that 30 minutes, it was the 48 hours surrounding that getting to meet our staffs, uh, you know, how much they just cared about finding out about our stories and, and what, how everyone got here to Greenville and what, you know, what our front office team's doing. It was, it was eye opening to see, you know, a, a thousand game NHLer and, you know, a guy that's run a AHL team for four years, the, the level they cared about us. I mean, it was, it, it blew me away and it's, it's great, really inspiring stuff. And, and we're, again, we're, we couldn't be more, uh, fortunate to be in this situation so we're all fired up from off ice team to on ice team to really you know make make Ontario and LA proud and we're going to do everything we can to to help uh you know develop their players well we look forward to uh, following the Swamp Rabbits as the season goes on Andrew Lord thanks for joining us uh, a name I think Kings fans are going to get real familiar with real soon thanks so much really appreciate the time 